Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Coin Talk. Today is August 19, 2020, and we are talking Bitcoin and Ethereum debate. If you haven't uh, paid attention to the podcasting space here recently, I'm, I'm obsessed with it, quite frankly. I, I, I listen to so many different podcasts in the Bitcoin and crypto space. It's just, uh, <laughs> it literally drives my whole day. Um, it, you might think, wow, Car, do you really? But you make a podcast. Yeah, I, I really listen to a lot of podcasts, all sorts of podcasts. I also watch a lot of crypto YouTube. Um, pretty much my whole life is just crypto <laughs> and Bitcoin outside of, uh, outside of my regular job hours, right? This weekend, there was an amazing episode from Peter McCormick. He had on Vitalik Buterin and Samson Mao from Blockstream. And he put together a really good kind of debate with Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it kind of sparked all sorts of controversies around Ethereum. It, it even sparked, you know, some heated debate around the circulating supply of Ethereum. We've always known this is kind of a never ending battle. And I used to be, you know, one of those people that would like to bring it up, you know, <laughs> often and then just kind of throw my hands in the air and just kind of like, I mean, at the end of the day, there's two separate <laughs> chains there. I mean, you know, does it really matter? Well, I think this this podcast that Peter created, it actually does matter. There is a lot of complex um, discussions around the mechanisms of Ethereum 2.0 and even kind of philosophical differences between ETH and BTC. So I highly recommend you guys check it out. It's worth it's like a two hour episode. It's definitely worth listening to. Um, and it was interesting because Vitalik actually openly admitted that in the past that the complexity when it comes to ETH 2 is from a technical perspective going to be hard to do. And they're finding it him and himself and the team are finding it um, to be very complex and not what they expected uh, from when he first envisioned the idea two years ago. So it's it's kind of surprising, but it kind of isn't. But it's it's great to hear Vitalik be honest and truthful about that. But at the same time, you're, you're kind of left wondering, like, you know, from a Bitcoin maximalist perspective that Samson is, he's, he's kind of asking these questions and really trying to get to the root of this supply that uh, Ethereum has yet to prove. Um, and then they also look at even more kind of reference information, um, talking about when it was released as an ICO and what it looks like now, what they promised back then. They even get into the DAO hack. 
Um, so there's so much there, but I'm gonna play you for I'm gonna play a quick snippet here, so you can kind of listen to that discussion. Do you think it's a problem there? Is it's trying to be too many things? Like, mm. like Bitcoin is really Bitcoin's yeah. pretty simple, right? Right. It is the ability to transfer value. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's you know, and there's a number of different things you can do and. You know, you can time lock or you can multi-stick, but really it's just about storing and sending value. But it seems like Ethereum is trying to do so many things. It's trying to be so many things, so many people that that causes a lot of, like for me as a non-technical person, it seems to cause a lot of problems down the lines because it's a very complex system. It's very difficult to keep it decentralized. It, right. I've... And, and this decentralizing, I'm just going to throw in there, mm. is the way I've kind of got my head around it. It feels like... Bitcoiners are always trying directionally to be to maintain or become more decentralized. Mm -hmm. And it feels like Ethereum compromises decentralization mm -hmm. and actually directionally is becoming more centralized because of the volume of things it's trying to do. Interesting. If I were to say if I were to say what uh, the ideology of Ethereum is, it's let's try everything and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. impression that I get. Right. I think that's fair. Like, I, mean, I think there are definitely common ideological points, like, you know, the idea that, like, we don't want to have a world that has these uh, kind of political and institutional choke points that uh, kind of limit people's ability to interact and cooperate with each other. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin tries to kind of mitigate that in the financial sphere. Ethereum tries to mitigate that both in the money sphere and also in uh, kind of a lot of these uh, other spheres where people are building a kind of applications in, you know, this is this idea of kind of social scalability, you know, cooperating across trust boundaries and these things. But once you get into the specifics, there's definitely a bigger element of uh, let's try everything. Um, another way of describing this, uh, this is a quote that I gave like a few years ago, like Bitcoin people think Bitcoin is 80% complete. Ethereum people think Ethereum is 40% complete. Um, and I think right now, maybe it's not 40%, maybe it's around 60%. But in general, like there definitely is a broader acceptance in the Ethereum community that there are uh, kind of steps in the journey that haven't been taken yet. I mean, solidifying on, you know, a set of uh, uh, a set of applications is one of those steps, although there's been a lot of progress toward that. Um, ETH2, proof of stake and sharding, uh, layer two scaling, both of those are kind of steps uh, to, toward that. Uh, so, and I think I do you know I can, I can add something in there, Vitalik. Mm. So I, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. It's because every time I hear when somebody says about Bitcoin, or oh, if Bitcoin succeeds, and I don't use that language anymore. I think it has succeeded. Mm -hmm. I think it is it's an alpha project mm -hmm. now. It's a, that people are just building on blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. I but I still consider Ethereum an experiment, and the reason I do is. The amount of times I see some kind of error or some kind of hack or mm -hmm. money lost or a, what happened, I just see it as like still very much almost like a science project. Whereas I think Bitcoin is now delivered; it's very trustworthy. Do you therefore do you do you have a, do you have any personal kind of like envy towards a kind of very solid mm -hmm. philosophy or shared philosophy of Bitcoiners? And and, and I know I'm throwing a lot in here. Do you also therefore feel a lot of responsibility for that and maybe? You know, maybe the fact that everyone looks to you that leaves a lot of responsibility on your in your hands. Yeah, and I think so. Like probably all three of us can agree that uh, kind of Ethereum both is and sees itself as a project that's uh, significantly earlier along its journey to kind of reaching its final form. So I have so many things I would like to say about this podcast. I really want y'all to listen to it. Um, 
So I'll just say a couple brief things. I definitely, I'll say a couple brief things about the podcast in general, and then I'll talk about my kind of take on uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and this whole debate around it. Um, so just kind of my things on the podcast, I, I feel like Samsung, <laughs> the CEO or CSO, I'm sorry, of Blockstream, um, you can kind of tell he's a fan of Ethereum. At least that's how I took it. Uh, you know, it's no, you know, it's no secret that, you know, he had a project that was on Ethereum and they had an ICO and they got a certain amount of money and, you know, awesome. Great for him. I'm sure he's making a lot of money doing that. Um, but it kind of goes against what he says in public about Ethereum. So to me, how he came off during the show, it kind of comes off like he was upset, kind of like how I would be upset (laughs) because of all the Ethereum fees and uh, just the the bullshit that comes with kind of trying to, uh, you know, swap tokens. And it can be very frustrating. Uh, I'm very much protectioner when it comes to Ethereum and trying to, you know, do everything I can to to get this thing to work, you know, properly. Um, Anyways, so uh, so there's that. Uh, I think Vitalik, though, came in there like he's always been he's just so fearless man um and you kind of you saw it back then when he went to miami for the bitcoin conference and introduced ethereum to a bunch of bitcoin maximalists like that's how he started off so it's it didn't surprise me that he showed up on the on on the on the podcast and just kind of just took whatever they were throwing at him uh he took it on the chin and and he didn't have answers for a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff is very troubling uh in vera like i I knew Infura played a big part when it comes to bootstrapping like projects so that way they can kind of just plug into an API on Ethereum. But I had no idea just how important it was when it comes to syncing and to basically uh, creating an Ethereum uh, full node. Um, And technically, it's not really a full node, right? (laughs) Because it's basically pulling from a copy that probably you know and it you know to be honest like and this is where this is where it kind of comes candy knowing this kind of stuff but like for example like backups right like you can use multiple chains in a a backup um, capacity so you can have several different chains in a backup capacity when it comes to um just uh like something like storage craft or something right so i totally get what vitalik is saying when he's saying well we just pull from the previous chain and we take Infura's word for it. Um, but I would I would understandably look from a different perspective and say, well, are you verifying those backup chains? Like who's running cross checks on those previous chains that you're syncing to your what you're calling a full node? So I can see where Samsung is coming from. But I mean, no one knows that. And so that kind of was troubling for me to kind of find that out. Um, because I always thought Infura was something completely different um, than how it's being used uh, to sync an Ethereum node. Um, so that was surprising. Um, so there was just so many things like that that kind of just kind of took me off guard. I also felt like in a lot of ways, Samsung and, and even like uh, McCormick, Peter McCormick was like trying to almost fix, <laughs> almost coach like Vitalik as a little brother, like saying, hey, you should really fix this. This is why this is important. 
So I think overall it was a great discussion because it probably opened his a lot of his, uh, you know, he kind of saw a lot of faults that he probably never realized because you have to think about it. Like Vitalik is constantly told he's this, he's this, he's this, he's this. And he's telling people. Right. And so there's really no one questioning him. I would imagine the Ethereum community is questioning from time to time. But for the most part, uh, other than Vlad Semfir, I don't see anybody on crypto Twitter questioning Vitalik. Uh, and so it was great seeing other people question him. Um, one of the things that really surprised me was Jack Mahler's response on Twitter. He said, at what point does a project go from revolutionary to stupid people being stupid, in your opinion? He was talking about directly to Vitalik. He says, before or after people lose money, do you have any projects now that you'd like to publicly label as below your standards? That way people know before it implodes. Uh, he also was very upset about uh, the fact that he said for years, uh, uh, Vitalik would kind of throw uh, Bitcoin developers, you know, to the side and say how, you know, Ethereum was rallying this kind of freedom cry uh, contrasted against Bitcoin and rooted inside of Ethereum's story. He says that you attempted to build Ethereum on top of Bitcoin and was not allowed to by Bitcoin developers, which is not true. The narrative you authored will always bother me because it simply isn't true. And you've historically marketed Bitcoin developers in a negative light to advertise Ethereum, which I take personal offense to. Um, he says that he feels that he is owed an apology to early Bitcoin developers in which you've harmed. And I think one is in order personally. So he definitely goes into it. I, I can see all of Jack's sides as well. Like, I feel like, you know, he's just in everything that he's saying. Uh, I also think that, you know, when I when I'm, I've heard Vitalik say that in the past and I've heard that come out of the Ethereum community, um, but it was never something that I took as um, as a slight against Bitcoin developers. May, I could see how that could be a slight against them for sure. Um, so there, there was a really fascinating episode. Uh, I highly recommend you guys check it out. Peter did an awesome job kind of moderating both of them. Um, so my whole take on the Ethereum kind of uh, Bitcoin debate is this. And this is, you know, you guys know how I am. I see Ethereum for what it is, right? Uh, and we've constantly talked about it on this podcast. It's just a smart contracting platform. Um, if nothing else, if DeFi doesn't take off like the same way ICOs didn't take off, <laughs> if the world computer doesn't happen just like it never started to happen, then it's just a smart contracting platform. But to me, that is still a very big deal in 100 percent. So there's room for something like that in this space. Uh, unless Bitcoin starts doing smart contracts, <laughs> then that's two different things. Uh, so I think people, and I think from both sides, they see it for something bigger or, or and even Vitalik says it in, in the, in the podcast, he says that, yeah, we, we try to be too much. We try to do too much. And maybe that's our problem. But at the end of the day, if you really look at the nuts and bolts of Ethereum, it's just a smart contracting platform. That's all it's going to be. Right. And even if it, it, it surpassed that and becomes something else and like, Right now, what's going on with DeFi? There's tons of tokens that are getting created, and they're being they're being generated, saying, "Oh, these have no these have no value." Yet they rise up in value, right? Like even Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, I was pretty early on on Wi-Fi because I knew what was going to happen. Sure enough, today it reaches 12k per coin, right? Uh, I'm not complaining, um, but I know how this space works. So I clearly saw 
a, a an obvious reason to huddle that shit because I knew once he got to 12k, it was going to get there. It was they were literally if you watch the Ethereum community, they were placing Wi-Fi the token to go up against Bitcoin. Um, it, it, it it wasn't like they were just trying to get more attention from it. And I think that's probably what Samsung. That's probably what Bitcoin Maximalists see is they see that. Their Ethereum is just far better at marketing than uh, some of the Bitcoiners, right? And and when it comes to their projects, you know, everybody's constantly talking about it. Um, so their marketability and it, it like it, it kind of stems from Vitalik, right? He receives this kid genius that invents a smart contract, pl- smart contract platform uh, when he's very young, um, goes on to make it the world smart contracting platform like it is today. You know, governments around the world adopt it. Businesses adopt it. There's privatized versions of it. Hyperledger, you know, all sorts of things. So, so I can see why people would be upset about that. But at the end of the day, they're two different projects. You have Bitcoin, sound money, the best hard money that you could ever find in the entire world. And then you have Ethereum. It's just a smart contract platform. That's all it is. There's going to be many of these. Right now, Cardano is, is starting on that path, right? You have Tezos already on that path. You have Substrate and Polkadot doing something completely different with blockchains, right? So th- there's going to be more people eating that pie that Ethereum currently is eating right now in the future. Um, so they're going to have to get better. They're going to have to do more. They're going to have to be they're going to have to be more uh, stable than they are now. And it's not going to come easier in time. It's going to be a little bit harder in time. And Bitcoin doesn't have to worry about those things because there is never going to be another Bitcoin. <laughs> like you literally had one shot to create Bitcoin and Satoshi did it. And that's it. Like there is no the only way the only way Bitcoin fails now is if um I can't even think of, 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 of a way because we could always hard fork. So this is what I'm trying to say. Ultimately, if you go back and you listen to my previous episode where, where I talk about the importance of Bitcoin, and I think we did this in July or no, in June. And I was talking about how Ethereum is basically and this is where I got a lot of slack. I got so much crap over this. But Ethereum is basically just a tool. That's all it is. It's the same thing like a paper and a pencil in the 1800s or like the personal computer in the 1900s. Ethereum is just another tool. That's all it is. It's not a foundational layer for money. So don't get twisted. Nobody's saying that it's money. Even Vitalik says it's not money. He says people transact in it. They can pay in ETH, but it's not sound money. And that's what I've always said about Ethereum. Does it have value? Is is it going to accrue value in time in this next bull run? Absolutely. You'd have to be a weenie not to believe that, right? So as long as you know the differences, if you know the difference between Bitcoin and sound money and Ethereum and a smart contracting platform, that's all you need to know. Yes, there are different kind of hoops you have to jump through to get on this DeFi train and to make some money from it. We cover it here on the show. Right. That's why I do my best to kind of be careful with what we talk about on on the show when it comes to DeFi, because I don't want any one of you to jump on it and then, you know, lose all sorts of money. That That's just awful. So we, we talk about it sparingly. And that's why I really focus when it comes to Ethereum. I really focus on the protocols on that platform because I realize like Chainlink, right, like Kyber, like Zero X. Right. Like there's 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 certain protocols that are infrastructure protocols that are going to be there. They're going to stand the test of the time as long as Ethereum sticks around. 
So that's why I always bring up projects like that because there's actual utility behind them. There's actually volume of money going through them. Uh, it's not just a yam token, <laughs> right? That people are just trying to pump so they can dump right on retail investors. Like that's not what this is about. So I totally see what they're saying because I feel like a lot of people in this space don't understand how the mechanics of that work. And this is where I think a podcast like mine really, you know, comes, uh, you know, and says, here, I'll explain this stuff for you. I'll tell you exactly what to be careful of. Maybe watch out for this. Watch out for this. Be careful. DeFi is going to be the new ICO. Turns out, what are we doing now? DeFi looks exactly like ICOs all over again. It's just, you know, another version of it. And that's all this was ever going to be. And I think Bitcoiners are recognizing that. They're seeing that Ethereum is not going to go away. Um, and they keep hitting things out of the park. This time around, it's DeFi. <laughs> so this is where I'm saying next next bull run, it'll be something else. But who knows? It might even be a different smart contracting platform that does it. If Ethereum is around, I mean, there's so new. We don't know. That's why you have to be careful with uh, what what projects you adopt, what you're what you're signing on for and, and make sure that you have an exit strategy for this stuff. Right. Uh, I've always said that I think Ethereum's going to go to between four to seven K this next bull run. Do I plan on holding Ethereum through that? Hell no. <laughs> there's there's, there's going to be a point where I dump my Ethereum and move it over to Bitcoin because it's sound money. It's the people's money. It's it's a settlement layer for the Internet. And eventually it'll be the settlement layer for the world. Um, so, yeah, go back and listen to the importance of Bitcoin. That episode I really talked that's back in June. That's the episode I really talk about Ethereum and Bitcoin and how they fit together. Like I said, I feel like on this stuff, we're early on it <laughs> like we just talk about things earlier before other people start debating it and it's good to see that uh, yeah like, <laughs> we're exactly where we thought we were <laughs> with that debate um but anyways with that let's get into coin talk it is time for coin talk but before we dive into that uh gotta mention a couple things so we released our bitcoin audiobook <laughs> that's right uh gosh it was it took so much time <laughs> like you know it was one of those things where i got most of it done prior but those last couple days uh those last few days leading up to it i think it started like on saturday like saturday leading up until uh, monday night's release um was pretty intense uh like there's so many things i didn't even think about <laughs> until it was like the last couple days uh like for example like i we, we knew we were going to create the site i created weeks ago um but it was you know really having to research ipfs and figure out how am i gonna upload <laughs> this ipfs and then before you know it, like it, it, it was it was a lot. Uh, so I think every single one of you for being patient uh, with, you know, a very 
you know, sparse release this month. Now we can get back to our normal scheduled programming. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys uh, and ladies like actually like saying, okay, Car is just working on the Bitcoin book. He'll be back to his regular scheduled programming. So I appreciate, I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, and so, yeah, we release it. You can go check it out. Bitcoinaudiobook.com. Everybody I talk to seems to like it, which is cool. It's a free audiobook resource for Bitcoin community. So if anybody um, that you know, you know, wants to learn more about Bitcoin and doesn't want a boring uh, lesson on it <laughs> and they want more than a 10 minute YouTube video of it, send them to BitcoinAudiobook.com. Um, that's why I created that 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 website. It was literally just so that way we can onboard new people into into Bitcoin and it's going to be free. And eventually, I, I honestly think eventually <laughs> just between us, I honestly think like eventually they're going to pull they're going to pull this <laughs> pan caps going to pull it at some point because we're getting a lot of downloads. But um, hopefully they don't. Hopefully they don't pull it because we, we use a lot of audio. <laughs> you know, that we didn't have permission to use when it comes to like music and stuff. But honestly, I look at it like I wasn't playing the whole track and we literally were talking over it and, you know, stuff like that. It was just to make it sound better. And um, eventually if they do pull it, just know that, you know, there's there's going to be a torrent that's still in the process of getting uploaded. So I'm going to take care of that this weekend. There's a Skynet download. There's going to be SoundCloud until that gets pulled. There'll be a direct download. And then, of course, there'll be an IPFS download. So um, we've pretty much set it to where it can't be taken down. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. Hopefully they just don't put like an FBI warning <laughs> on the website. <laughs> I hope not. Then we'll have to, you know, do it somewhere else in a different part of the country uh, or a different part of the world, <laughs> uh, like Sweden or something. Uh, so just, just remember, or even like, who knows, maybe like like Web3 or something. Anyways, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. If it doesn't, we'll have to do it that way. But I think we're safe for now, but uh, BitcoinAudiobook.com. Thank you so much to everybody who, who contributed. You know, Lucho, who is the artist who made all the art for for the book, like he's amazing. You should definitely go to his website and check out his art. He has some like really cool Bitcoin art, uh, and it's not that expensive either. And honestly, he's my favorite. And I think you know, if Bitcoin becomes a thing in the future, his his paintings and his designs are going to be worth a lot of money. Uh, in my opinion, uh, so I'm, I'm not shilling his art. I'm just saying like, you know, I look at his art and I'm like, dang, that's going to capture a moment in time. So if that if that is a thing, um, just know that's probably that's probably going to be a thing uh, in the future. But yeah, I think it came out really good. Uh, you know, Vlad did the last, I guess, last chapter and he ended it with such a, you know, good way to end it and then gary leland also you know stepped in and did it and then of course lynn came in and did that special forward for us so like it was awesome uh and then we also even had if you guys didn't know this check out richard james's uh documentary called hard money so i've been talking to him on twitter and he actually um he actually said it was cool i could use his documentary and put it on the website so i thought that was awesome because he, he does a thorough explanation of why, what makes hard money. And I think it complements the Bitcoin audiobook perfectly. Uh, so make sure to check out that too as well. And then make sure to download it, right? Download the audiobook, share it with your friends, you know, make a CD from it, you know, give it out, mass produce it, whatever you want to do, it's free. Um, and thank you so much for listening. And this is kind of my gift to each and every one of you. Like, 
it, it, it took a long time, but at, at the same time, I felt like it needed to be done. And I'm glad that it's finally over. <laughs> it took a lot of time, but I'm glad it's over because uh, it was it feels feels good to know it's been done. So and I've been talking about it for a really long time. I'm sure a lot of you thought, oh, Car is never going to release that. No, we did. <laughs> we did. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I should also mention next week we're going to BitBlock Boom. That's right. It's a Bitcoin Maximus conference here in Dallas, Texas. So I'm going to be out there next Friday and Saturday. Uh, if you guys are going, let me know. It'd be cool to to talk and talk Bitcoin and stuff. Um, if not, what I'll do is I'll probably record like, you know, two or three shows maybe from and try to get some interviews uh, from from Bitcoin, from Bitcoiners there. And we'll release it here first on the subscription and then eventually we'll release it to our regular podcast. But um, yeah, if you guys are are going, let me know. Shoot me shoot me something on um on our telegram but yeah we're going to be covering that next week so look for a lot of cool stuff to be dropping and then we have two more episodes coming out this week as well too so yeah all right with that let's get into our disclaimer that's right so turns out crypto mom got punched in for another what two years i think i think she's going to be a crypto mom for (laughs) two more years at the sec uh, Hester Pierce and yeah she got nominated and she she voted in so that oh actually till 2025 so now we have to roll the disclaimer right because she's probably listening so roll the disclaimer all right it's time for coin talk um it's looking pretty red out there right now <laughs> like the entire the entire market cap just kind of took a dump today on coin gecko and everything is down <laughs> considerably i think the only thing that is slightly up is chain link but even that dropped down from 20 dollars this past weekend um, so you know what that means. Yeah, it's completely red out there. I mean, we have Bitcoin at eleven seven right now, so eleven thousand seven hundred. Uh, we got Ethereum at four hundred nine dollars, XRP at twenty eight cents, Chainlink at sixty dollars and fifty three cents. Um, so, you know, what's surprising to me is Bitcoin still looks to me like a really good buy right now, even though for the most part, I feel like I've already kind of done everything I could with <laughs> kind of wrapping up my uh, my Bitcoin purchasing. Um, but I, I really think we're going to see something here in September 5th. I think uh, I think September 5th looks really bullish right now for Bitcoin. I don't know what's the meaning of Labor Day, but I want you to take a listen to this because this actually came up over this past weekend that no one's really paying attention to. Now, you say, uh, don't kick back. It's time to take a look at your portfolios and possibly make adjustments or readjustments. What do you currently see? What's the scenario you see that would justify investors making such moves right now? Well, the the market right now is what people want to call the summer doldrums. Um, Really, I think the market is suffering from the boredom of uh, a set of knowns. Uh, COVID will be with us through the first quarter of next year. There will be a vaccine. Um, You've got 
uh, a wash of liquidity, which is really what's driving and holding the stock market up right now. The risk of a, an election, but really with 71 percent probability that uh, that Biden will win, 29 percent probability that Trump will win. That's that's pretty much a, a, a given right now. So the market's looking for or is waiting for a new spark. Uh, and that spark's likely to come into ignite, as it often does, right after Labor Day. So the time to reposition the portfolio is before the fuse is lit or when the fuse is lit and hasn't expanded, uh, exploded yet, which is probably now, Fred. Well, George, given the scenario that you just outlined, what moves should investors make right now? I'm assuming it's predicated on a Biden-Harris win? Uh, it's predicated on the Irish punters, the Irish bookmakers, uh, odds, which are usually right, about two and a half to, to one that, that Biden wins. Um, a Biden win is not in and of itself a catastrophe for the stock market. Uh, if you believe that lower taxes are good for corporate earnings, well, you would like Trump to win. But the announced Biden tax policies are about as Biden benign, or at least as Democratic benign, as, as you're going to get. So. What's going to happen that, that, that changes? Um, I think that both traders and investors are going to worry about what happens when you can't kick the can down the road in terms of stimulus or subsidizing people uh, any longer. And the approach of the end of that road is going to be a lot closer by the fourth quarter uh, than it is now. and. Uh, and, and therefore, both traders and investors should and probably will uh, realign their portfolios substantially. Well, George, what assets should investors get into, say, outside of equities? I've never said this before, and I've always been a, a blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin uh, uh, opponent. Uh, but if you look right now, the government can't stimulate the markets forever. The liquidity flood will end. Um, and sooner or later, the government's got to start paying for some of the stimulus for some of the deficits for some of the, the well-deserved, very smart subsidies that it's providing to people. Are they going to raise taxes that high? Or if not, are they going to print money? If they print money, uh, that debases the currency and probably even things like TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, can be corrupted. So the very wealthy investor or the trader uh, probably turns to Bitcoin or something like it uh, as a staple. Wow, I never thought I'd hear you say that. I mean, we heard Jamie Dimon talk about Bitcoin before. Uh, Jamie's at least a partial convert. I'm not sure that he's that he's a, a, a total uh, convert. Um, and then the notion isn't to hide or to, uh, to, to seek a, a tax refuge, but to have something that, that can't be uh, undermined by the government and that won't become worthless if the currency becomes worthless, or at least if enough Robin Hooders happen to believe that. If the Robin Hooders don't want to trade stocks as they have, where are they going to put their money? Uh, there are no yields today. And so Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency becomes a very attractive uh, either long term, I want to make a, a, a safe 
uh, haven for my money or a short-term speculative bet. Uh, and I think it, it's a, a good, I think it's where many people will turn uh, after Labor Day, Fred. Yeah, so that's kind of really spooky because even before that, I want to say, forget what day it was, we were talking last time, it's been a crazy <laughs> past 92 hours or whatever uh i want to say that we we had heard rumblings about september uh but it wasn't there was nothing concrete there but to hear the former chief executive of prudential securities and now ceo of sanders morris and harris talk about bitcoin uh and talk about how the dollar is crashing because it is it's still going down in value um really says a lot to (laughs) what's going on behind the scenes that we're just not privy to, unfortunately, right? Um, and so if you look at the coin gecko market cap, we literally had gotten to 397 billion. That's right, 397 billion. And remember when I talked about that here recently, we went from crossing 300 billion on July, on July 25th to almost nearly passing 300 or passing 400 billion on August 16th. So, I mean, we're talking about like two and a half weeks, something like that, three weeks, maybe at most. Um, it's bonkers. <laughs> like it's bonkers. Uh, so we crashed back down to where we're at right now at 375. So yes, could it go down even further? Yes. But that money is still waiting on the sidelines. I think what we're going to see here in September it's going to be a little mini boom. I think I think if this guy is right, because there's other people talking about September 5th, Labor Day, after Labor Day, there might be a lot of reallocation when it comes to uh, securities and when it comes to other types of, 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 of cryptocurrencies. Who knows? Does that get reallocated into Bitcoin? It's sounding like that's something something like that's going on. So just be ready uh, for that. I'm 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 like all packed up and ready to go to the moon so so at this point uh, it's going to be a lovely uh, lovely september because i was really expecting us for not to for us not to take off until october so i'm kind of glad that we're seeing this dip right now uh this little red here in, in the space because i feel like that's good let's get this out and let's get this over with so that way by the end of august we're we're, we're like primed and ready to go i hope this kind of goes on i hope we keep going further down i hope this goes on another week quite frankly that would be great uh and then i want to just be like sparks flying september because uh, i think if we can get sparks flying in september leading into october november december man october november december is just going to be hella bullish right and then i still think i still think we have something magical happening towards the end of december into january um, so yeah, it's about to get really exciting. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of people that are going to be extremely rich here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's just a great time. I mean, it was a hell of a bear market, right? I mean, we did it. We, 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 we lasted it and we're here now we're at the finish line and now it's just waiting here. Hopefully September is when it takes off. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that on Thriller Insights. Uh, this weekend and and we'll really dive into what bitcoin's doing when it comes to like transactions and when it comes to hodling and of course we'll look at some charts too as well um but i think that's all i got for coin talk not a lot going on i mean for the most part uh i do want to talk about other cryptocurrencies but we'll save that for thriller insights um 
I, I will say Wi-Fi did surprise me. I, I knew it was going to get to that 12K range. Right now it's at 13K. I never suspected that they were going to do it this fast, though. I was thinking like, you know, later in the year, <laughs> it'll try to get to 20K. But now I think these people in the Ethereum space are going to try to pump it to 20K here uh, by the end of the month. Uh, it's no doubt in my mind. Uh, but if if I was you, I would definitely personally uh, since, you know, I already got in because I was experimenting. I was doing it for y'all, quite frankly. I was I was literally just, you know, playing with it because I wanted to report on it and try to get, get some good understanding of it. Um, but now the fact that I'm holding it, um, I'm probably ready to uh, to go ahead and swap it over to Bitcoin at this point. I mean, it, right now it's. Yeah, it's 13. I mean, I don't know. I We'll see. Well, maybe I'll hold on to it for a little longer and see where it goes. But this is not a long term hold for me. There's nothing nothing like this can sustain. That's the thing about when it comes to these little bubbles, like especially in the Ethereum space, nothing can sustain this long. So you're really pushing it. Um, and, you know, Chainlink's a perfect example of that. Right. I think we went to twenty dollars per token. And I'm so glad I pulled out what I put in <laughs> a few a few days before, uh, just because I was just getting to the point where I was like, you know, I feel like this is the top already. I think everybody's you're starting to realize it, and you started seeing more and more articles about like devs are dumping their chain link and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, so you know, it's kind of one of those things they just can't sustain. And yeah, so I'm just kind of worried on that. But I'll let you guys know what I do on that. But for the most part, everything else looks pretty red. I mean, there's really nothing exciting right now going on in the space other than um, this guy from Prudential talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> he sounds he sounds like a permable. Anyways, with that, let's get on to the end of the show. Oh, you 
Talk is Dunsies. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to check out more of what we do here, head over to thrillerx.com. Thrillerx.com will always release, you know, some reviews or some type of write-up on articles. And if you want to learn more about Bitcoin, but quite frankly, you probably already know a lot if you're listening to this. Tell a friend, tell a cousin, tell a relative, tell anybody who will listen. Head over to bitcoinaudiobook.com and have them learn about Bitcoin so they can save the entire world. See you next time. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with R. Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Carr said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto, and not Carr. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time.